Hello everyone and welcome to the return for a limited engagement only until things get back to normal, whenever that may be, but welcome nonetheless to the NXT nightcap, giving you all the highs and lows from last night's great American Bash special on USA Network. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 23 of the WrestleSoftopia Network continues. Happy Thursday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as an incredibly busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And it was super busy last night as we had the Great American Bash on NXT and Fighter Fest from AEW on TNT. And it was competitive. It was a battle. And I loved every single second of it. A great night of professional wrestling. And AEW was very blunt by saying we are in a ratings war, which was not the case maybe six weeks ago, but things have definitely turned up for both shows. And they're here to say, oh, we're here to stay. We're here to slay. And we're here to give you what you need every single week. And I love that competitive spirit to bring out the best in each other. Now, I don't necessarily agree mentioning it because if NXT doesn't make a peep about it, then maybe you should not say as much to draw attention to what's happening on the other side of that dial. But competition breeds intensity. It breeds that level of you have to give it your all and steal the show every single night. And I think both shows provided that outlet last night. Now, for the sake of time, I'm only covering the Great American Bash from NXT. I have an extra special guest co-host who I can proudly announce is Mark Hallberg from the Phantom Effect podcast, a great podcast for pop culture fans out there that want to really understand the level of our fandom. Why do we love wrestling? Why do we love comics and anime? Why do we love video games? Why do we love certain TV shows and movies from the Marvel Universe or DC Universe and everything in between? Why why do these things bring us together from music to books, everything under the sun? Pop culture is that thread, that needle that we can just binge and read and listen to anything that grabs our attention, that speaks to us on an emotional level that can make us happy, can make us cry for all the right reasons or for the wrong reasons if it really touches that resonant chord with you. And Mark does a great job at the podcast and I am honored to be a future guest on his show when it drops in a few weeks time and I will let you know when that drop date is. But he will be joining me covering night one of Fire to Fest which will drop Sunday, Sunday, Sunday at 6 a.m. Eastern right here on the WST Network. So be on the lookout for that. It's gonna be extensive coverage from Wednesday's show. So you don't miss a beat. I wanted to specifically separate both shows for a reason because they're specialty events that should be treated as such. It should be treated as a unique experience that is simply too big for one show to jumble them together and then kind of cross analyze and dissect every single match. That would take two hours. So let's separate what was great about both shows, what was meh about both shows, and then give you two completely unique reviews that you can definitely grab onto and not be deluged with cross sectional analysis that can get distracting at times. Trust me, there is so much I wanna say about AEW's Fighter Fest, but I can't. And I have to bite my tongue to Sunday, which is great because I have someone to bounce ideas off of, which is going to be fun. And I can't wait for you guys to tune in for that. But I do wanna say this regarding both shows. The women's division 
for AEW and NXT showed up and showed out. Sheeta and Penelope Ford, A+. I will get to NXT's main event momentarily as well, and I will highlight the Fatal 4-Way that kicked off the Great American Bash as well. But I just wanted to say thank you, ladies, for saying yes. Professional wrestling on a national platform can be headlined by women, and we can do it like nobody's business if given the opportunity. Point blank, period. And I'm hoping that AEW puts that trust in their women's division very soon, like NXT does theirs on the regular. So fingers crossed and all that jazz, but I wanted to take this opportunity to definitely shine a spotlight on both promotions, women's divisions for definitely living up to the hype and over delivering in many ways during last night's fest and bash. And it was all a collective party that I greatly enjoyed. And as we kick off the Great American Bash, I want to specifically touch on the Fatal 4-Way Elimination Match featuring Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, Mia Yim, and Candice LeRae with the winner moving on to face Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship. I thought the work was good, but this was a strange match with an odd energy to it. And I am attributing that odd energy to Tegan Knox. Usually Tegan is on it. I don't know if she was nervous. I don't know if there was something going on in terms of an injury that I'm unaware of, but she seemed off with her facial expressions that she wore one expression of confusion throughout, which threw me off because usually as of late, she brings intensity, she brings fire, and you can't keep your eyes off of her. Last night I was staring at her wondering, is she okay? Did she hit her head with something out of whack? Did she tweak something? Because her demeanor was a little off-putting and everyone else was pretty good with Candice LeRae having her spots, but I was surprised at how quickly she was taken care of by Mia Yim with Soul Food, which took her out of the match early on. From there, Mia Yim had a really nice showing in this match. And I think over the past couple of months, Yim has definitely improved as an overall performer. And I think I can attribute that to her feud with Candice LeRae, which will culminate next week in a street fight during night two of the Great American Bash. And I have to say this for Yim. She's improved so much over the last couple of months. I think she's gaining confidence and this feud with LeRae is definitely a contributing factor towards that because for the longest time, I felt she wrestled underwater, which meant everything was heavy in terms of the work. It was very labored. And as of late, it's more freeing and more liberating to see her work crisp and being able to work at her own pace and it works. She's breaking out new moves. Everything was clean and precise. Loved the dragon suplex on Dakota Kai. That was an awesome spot. And she just really looked strong in this match even though Kai pinned her with a O'Connor roll with the bridge. Great execution for a pin as it came down to Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox, which is fitting considering the rivalry starting at last year's NXT TakeOver War Games, which really cemented both their statuses as up and coming stars on the NXT roster. And I just felt they had a good match down the stretch one-on-one. -on -one. They work incredibly well together. I love Dakota's chiropractor on Tegan Knox for a near fall. She tried to take her out with a submission hold that Tegan was able to power out of. And she eventually hit Dakota with the Molly Garound. Perfect execution followed by the shiniest wizard for the one, two, three as Tegan Knox becomes the number one contender for Io Shirai's NXT Women's Championship. And even after the match, 
Tegan sold shock and I was confused. Her whole energy was a little off and I can't put my finger on her. Hopefully she's okay health-wise because it was a weird energy that permeated throughout the match. But I will say that I was a little surprising to see her pull out the victory because Dakota was basically calling out EO during the past couple of weeks of NXT television. So to see her lose was a little shocking, but maybe this does open the door for a major takeover match against EO in August, if that is the game plan. You don't want to burn that match on television, which I completely get, but Tegan getting the win is a nice surprise nonetheless. And as a fun trivia fact, for the fans of the Mae Young Classic from a couple of years ago, on the WWE Network, Tegan Knox unfortunately suffered a devastating ACL injury during her match with Rhea Ripley in the quarterfinals. And during that time, according to the internet streets, Tegan was set to win the whole tournament. She was gonna get that big league push heading into the following year. Instead, the victory in the quarterfinals went to Rhea Ripley who sold amazingly as a heel that did not give a fuck even though internally she was probably scared to death that her friend was injured in real time and there was nothing that she could do about it she had to play it off and she did it to perfection and eventually she was defeated by semi-finalist Io Shirai in the Mae Young Classic as Io went up against Tony Storm who beat her in the finals at the WWE Evolution pay-per-view that would have probably been Tony versus Tegan if Tegan was not injured. So this is a full circle moment from two years ago that is being paid off by WWE in the most meta logic way ever. And I love it. Now, the interesting thing is they're both baby faces, which is going to create a strange dynamic, but a good one if they put in the work and deliver the goods in the ring and if they have the time to shine, which I think they will whenever this match takes place unconfirmed, if it will go down next week during night two of the Great American Bash or July 15th, which promises to be another big night as AEW has set Fight for the Fallen for that date as a COVID relief effort show with the fans chipping in with donations along the way, which is a great idea to do that live and have that really be a telethon-like show to donate to a good cause, especially as COVID numbers continue to spike across the country, which is something that we definitely need to address right now. And AEW is good with social causes. Last year, they did fight for the fallen in honor of the victims of the Madden tournament shooting in downtown Jacksonville from last year. And that was a great cause to really shed a spotlight on. And the question is, what will NXT do to counter? Because a counter with Evolve last year running head to head on the WWE Network against BR Live's coverage of Fight for the Fallen. So the chess pieces on the board and NXT's play is next. We shall see. Welcome to competition season during the Wednesday Night War. And despite that, the opening segment featuring Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, Mia Yim, and Candice Story was a fun way to kick off the show despite the weirdness when it came to Tegan Knox's facial expressions that definitely threw me for a loop. Moving on to Timothy Thatcher versus Zorny Lorcan in a mean guy technical masterpiece. I love both men individually because they are just old school wrestlers throwback in every sense of the word. They will give you map based wrestling and they're not afraid to chop and slap the shit out of each other. And last night was no exception. This was not your average wrestling match. This was technique on display and it was outstanding. Timothy Thatcher is so great. Orny Lorcan, I adore him for being his crazy self and being an in-ring technician at the exact same time. They have great chemistry. They have worked numerous times against each other and it showed 
different from everything you've seen on both shows last night. It slowed down the pace to a crawl, but everything they did had intention and meaning. And Lorcan fired up after the ground attack from Thatcher, and he laid in some slaps to Thatcher, and it was glorious. The chops, the slaps, the punches, it was beautiful. But unfortunately, he got caught with the Fujiwara armbar, courtesy of Thatcher, and he tapped out, and Thatcher kept cranking it after the bell sounded as he got the victory. He's a vicious bastard, and I dig it. Great showing from him once again, and Lorcan, per the usual, give him enough time to shine. He was still the show, and he certainly did last night. So I would love a return battle from both men. And if the setting calls for it, let it happen in the fight pit. Just saying. Moving on to Rhea Ripley versus Robert Stone and Aaliyah in a handicap match. And if Rhea loses by some banana pill moment, she will be forced to join the Robert Stone brand. I'm happy to say that did not happen despite my joy of watching Rhea Ripley and Robert Stone interact every week with Rhea kicking his ass from pillar to post. The match was fine. It was a lot of hijinks and double teams for Malia and Stone, but Rhea powered through, put them in a double submission hole, that crazy prism lock for the tap out from both of them as she is a free woman to quote Lady Gaga and she can move on to bigger and better things perfectly getting back in the NXT women's title picture in the very near future. But I'm gonna miss the hijinks between Robert Stone trying to court Rhea every single week. And now it is time for the oddest match of the night, the strap match featuring Dexter Loomis versus the Undisputed Era's Roderick Strong. And I thought this was a match that would allow Roderick Strong to shine, very reminiscent of what Daniel Bryan brought out of Bray Wyatt during their strap match at the Warrior Rumble earlier this year. This was a methodical match, but I thought both men worked incredibly hard and Roderick Strong works his ass off every night whenever he's on, and he did that once again. And Dexter Loomis, he has a gimmick of being a serial killer, living in recluse Wyoming, which screams serial killer. But you know what? If you strip away the crazy gimmick, he's really talented as a worker, and he has this dual challenge of trying to merge the crazy serial killer gimmick into being a compelling professional wrestler. And I think with Roderick Strong, he can balance the two and make it believable. And I thought he had his best performance against Strong last night in the strap match. The crack of that strap did break flesh on both men several times. I dug it. One of the highlights was Roderick Strong delivering an Olympic slam onto the floor, followed by a superplex to Loomis inside the ring for a near fall. But ultimately, after some struggling, courtesy of Bobby Fish interfering and ultimately backfiring when Roderick Strong bumped into Fish, thanks to an assist from Dexter Loomis, he locked in the silence, which is the Anaconda Vice, with the strap wrapped around Roddy for the submission win. And Dexter Loomis is back to his winning ways after eating a couple of losses to Adam Cole and Roderick Strong over the past couple of months. I do see Star on Dexter Loomis. Where does he fit in the NXT landscape? I do not know, especially with the uncertain future of Velveteen Dream, who did not even show up on last night's show. He is in some hot water, and there is rumblings about him possibly being released from WWE in the very near future that is unconfirmed right now. But whatever tag team aspirations is on paper, 
it might be a sender as of right now because it ain't looking good for the dream. But Dexter Loomis is definitely gonna raise his stock and do something in the NXT landscape. We just don't know what it is yet. But if he continues to improve and get the serial killer gimmick to matches in ring style, he can be a difference maker in the main event scene on the black and gold brand. And now it is time for our main event, the match of the evening, the moment that we've been waiting for that was alerted to us on social media a few days ago. Io Shirai, our reigning defending NXT Women's Champion, going up against the boss, the blueprint, the standard Sasha Banks, one half of the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions as she rolled in a white Jaguar 2014 style with Bailey and her Corgi Riley. It was adorable. Bailey had the Sasha Banks airbrush jacket, had the Americana hat ready to go. She's awesome. She's a walking meme extraordinaire and her heel work has been great over the past few months during the empty arena eras. All credit to Bailey for figuring it out and Sasha Banks getting back to who she used to be. And that is one of the best characters and professional wrestlers, male or female, because when she's on, she is perfection. And last night was no exception against the Oshirai, who is a ring general in her own respect, one of the best to ever do it as well. Now, granted their first interaction together in a physical match, it was a little shaky at first, but when they got it together, it was great. I loved everything they did. The selling from Sasha as she sold that Frankensteiner from the top rope bump, amazingly sold that hip injury, sold that back. It was great. And I just loved everything EO did. Flying with those drop kicks with that extra bounce and that precision was on point. The 619 tributes to Rey Mysterio was awesome as well. Bailey Big, the antagonizing hill at ringside, at one point going to one of the cars that was positioned on the main stage and honking it as that gave EO the distraction that she did not need as Sasha Banks took control from there. It was generally a back and forth battle. Banks putting EO in the bank statement, EO rolling out, putting her in a cross face of her own and Sasha scrapping to get to the ropes. Thanks to an assist from Bailey as she introduced the belts into the equation and the referee was confused. I'm surprised he did not eject her from the match, but from there, Banks got the advantage. She did this sunset flip bomb as she slammed EO into the plexiglass and onto the floor in a great spot and Bailey still causing trouble until Asuka appeared out of nowhere, out of hiding. She creeped up to Sasha and she missed her in the face. Blinded by the greenness, Io Shirai is trying her best to obscure Sasha's face as the referee has no clue what's going on as Asuka celebrating at rings and eventually Io hits the moonsault for the one, two, three and she uses her leg to obscure Sasha's face. It's brilliant. It's a great way to say the referee is not a complete idiot and it gives cover to Sasha for losing cleanly and still being protected at the same time. Thanks from the assist from Asuka. This match was really really strong fitting of the main event with zero commercial interruptions and the show ended with Asuka and Io standing tall as Sasha was rocking the green mist on her face as Bailey was trying to console her up the ramp it was a great finish to a really good show and I can see it now a possible tag team match with Io Shirai and Asuka going up against Bailey and Sasha Banks I don't know if the women's tag team titles would be on the line but I think that would be one hell 
of a match they can definitely explore in the weeks to come if they choose to go in that direction. I don't know how Asuka would get on NXT. She's not a floating champion, but somehow she managed to sneak through the door last night to cause the distraction finish, which was genius in hindsight. But overall, this was a strong show. Every match gave you a different variety and flavor of what NXT is about. Yes, this was a water is wet, the sun will rise and fall every day and night because it's a war against AEW. You knew it was going to happen, but make it good, make it interesting, and most importantly, make it good. And I thought they did a really good job last night with the Great American Bash. And part two promises to be a massive show as the show is headlined by the winner takes all match featuring Keith Lee, our current North America champion, going against Adam Cole, the NXT champion for well over 390 something days, possibly crossing the 400 day mark as of next week, as they will face off with the winner taking everything next week on the show. Also scheduled, we have Candice LeRae and Mia Yim in a street fight. We also have Fandango, Tyler Breeze, and Drake Maverick teaming up against Santos Escobar, Joaquin Wilde, and Raul Mendoza in a six-man tag team match, which should be very good as well. Also, teased for next week, but not definitive yet, is Johnny Gargano versus Isaiah Swerve Scott based on their backstage interaction during the fight between Mia Yam and Candice LeRae. And presumably speaking, we also have Cameron Grimes against Damian Priest, but Grimes is all about being the number one contender to whoever is the NXT and North America champion next week. And I'm sure Karrion Cross has something to say about that as well. As he says, time is up for both men heading into next week's massive main event. Will there be a finish? We shall see on next week's show. And as a fighter fest, I do want to add this addendum to the card. Due to John Moxley self-quarantining for an extra week, his match has been pushed back until the Fight for the Fallen pay-per-view as he will face Brian Cage for the AEW World Championship. And as a replacement of the Moxley match, Private Party will face the winner of the AEW World Tag Team title match featuring Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus Best Friends, which took place last night. If you know who won, that's wonderful. If not, I'm not going to spoil it here. I will discuss it in greater detail with extra special guest co-host Mark Hallberg from the Phantom Effect podcast, which will drop Sunday, 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 6 a.m. EST right here on the WST Podcasting Network to wrap up the 4th of July weekend on a high note for all you boys and girls out there. On that note, this wraps up an extra special edition of the NXT Nightcap, recapping everything Great American Bash on the USA Network. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on Twitter at LadyWrestlingX and on Instagram at RussellSubtopia. There you can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, AEW Dynamite, NXT, and Friday Night Smackdown on Fox. Feel free to download past episodes on all of your favorite podcasters directories dating back to the January 28th edition of the Raw Verdict number one, discussing the fallout from the 2020 Royal Rumble, which set the stage for the most unusual road to WrestleMania ever, and all things AEW leading up to Revolution, Double or Nothing, and Fight for the Fallen, which will go down in two weeks' time on TNT as well. So dig deep by searching Russell Subtopia on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus, Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back Saturday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern with episode number 23 of the SmackDown Wind Down, recapping the highs and lows 
from Friday Night Smackdown on Fox. Until then, enjoy your Thursday and your Friday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.